Thank you, Jesus, right? Hey, if you're uh, online right now, we're uh, working through a little technical glitch, right? But that's uh, part of the fun of this generation. Uh, you know, we all have to overcome something, right? I mean, who would have thought that we would be walking through seasons that are changing the way that they're changing and changing so fast? Um, but we all have to overcome things in life. You know, sometimes there are mountaintop experiences and they are the best seasons of your life. Um, but for every mountain, there's a valley, always. That's the way the world works. It's the way life works. And here's the thing. We never get a choice about the reality of facing valleys. For every mountain, there's a valley. And when you face a valley, here's the truth. You're going to have to walk through it. How do you do that? How do you overcome when life brings you these challenges? Well, uh, this series, uh, I'm going to take you through some very personal moments from uh, my life during this last several months um, that as you have walked through moments yourself with friends, with family, perhaps you also are walking through moments even now they have not stopped and you're facing things. Uh, I, I want to go through a very personal series with you. So over the next season of life leading up to around Thanksgiving, uh, we're going to talk about overcoming because we have to overcome when we face those valleys, when we face those challenges, when we face those obstacles, we just have to do it. And, and here's what happens. So many times in life, you don't know what that obstacle, what that valley, what that difficulty is going to be. And, and if you're like me, if you're human, which we're going to talk about, uh, sometimes you very simply just want to give up. Anybody ever want to give up? You ever had something where you just want to quit? You don't want to go through it. Now, now, for some of you, you go, oh, no, I, I've never been there. But you, you maybe haven't been there yet, or, or maybe, um, maybe you're just not being honest. <laughs> but there's a moment where there are valleys that come into our life. These valleys are there for a reason. And, and we face these challenges, these obstacles, these valleys, and you're not going to get a choice. You have to walk through that valley. As I look here in this room, and as I know from many of you online, uh, we have walked through valley moments together in your life. Uh, there are moments where there has been sickness, right? Uh, there has been deep loss of a loved one. Uh, there have been financial challenges. There have been personal, spiritual challenges. There are emotional challenges. They come in every shape and fashion. And today I want to give you step number one. On, on how you can overcome these moments in life. How you can recognize that God is with you even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even when you walk through a moment that feels like death to you, to your spirit, to your soul, to your life. Listen, it's not the end. And you can overcome these. You can walk through those valleys and you can come out on the other side on the next mountaintop moment that God has for you. But you've got to be able to overcome in the moment. So I want to take you this morning to the very beginning. Because in reality, in our lives, when we face the valleys, we don't need complex answers. We don't need complicated theology. We need to know that God is with us and that God has an answer for us when we walk through it. We need very simple, basic moments. So I want to take you back to one of the most simple, basic moments in Scripture. 
the beginning. Take your Bibles and go to Genesis, the book of Genesis. We're going to go to chapter 2 today. And in chapter 2, the key verse that I'm going to read first is verse 7. And we're going to read the rest of the chapter, but I want you to grasp the power of verse 7. As you think about how do I overcome, and I'm going to give you principle number one, um, out of my personal life, out of my spirit, out of my quiet time, that God has drilled into me uh, the last seven months or so as I have walked through these moments with you um, and with others. And today in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we're going to learn one of these basics of life on how you overcome. So if you'll stand with me in honor of God's word, we're going to read uh, the New International Version this morning. So you'll see that on the screens. Um, Likewise, for those of you in our online family, you will see that as well. So follow along with us. And the Bible says this, Then the Lord God formed a man, and this is what he formed him from, from the dust of the ground. If that's not sobering and humbling for you and I in this generation to recognize that every one of us, we are formed from the most basic particles of the world. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And that man That person, that individual, that one became a living being. The scriptures continue. The Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow up out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. And from there it separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is Pishon. It it winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work. To work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone, so I will make a helper suitable for him. And the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for the man, for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and he closed up the place with the flesh. And the Lord God made a woman 
And he made the woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. And that is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife and why they become one flesh. Adam and his wife, they were both naked, but they felt no shame. Let's go back to the first verse. I want you to hear that one and read it again. Verse 7, the Lord God formed a man, a person, you, formed from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. And you, yes, you, you became a living being. Today I want to talk to you about step number one in overcoming these valleys and these moments. And that is, we're going to talk about today the very reality that life is a gift. We pray together, Father, I ask humbly in the name of Jesus that in the same way that your pneuma, your spirit entered into the first Adam and from there you created real life. I pray that today your spirit, your breath will awaken each of us to realize that what we have in front of us, no matter what it looks like, it's a gift to be lived and embraced so that we can walk through even valleys and come out on the other side, ahead, on a mountain with you. God, I love you, and I thank you for your grace in Jesus, and I pray that over everyone today. Amen. You may be seated. This passage from Genesis is, is the bedrock, by the way, of the creation event, and, and so Genesis chapter 1 is this creation event, the creation biblically recorded of how everything that we know was created by God. And, and here's the fascinating thing that applies to everything we know. What makes God God, what makes this story unique is that God creates something out of nothing every time. Only God can create something out of nothing every time. Now, we as people, we create something out of something. We turn our something into nothing sometimes, or we can turn our something into something else. But what we are given, we control. What we have been given, that something, we turn it into something else. But God doesn't do that. God is the only one who can take nothing and turn it into something. 
So as you and I walk through these moments of life, even the valleys that we face perhaps right now together that you may face in your spiritual life, in your personal life, in your physical life, in your emotional life, God is the only one that can take nothing even if you feel like nothing, even if you think that you have nothing, God is the one and the only one who can take nothing and turn it into something. Everybody else takes something and does something else with it. And the Bible at a very basic level here begins to show that the greatest nothing that God turned into something was not the universe, not the moon, the sun, the stars, the planet, the animals, the birds, the fish, the greatest pinnacle of the creation of God from nothing is you. The greatest creation from nothing is you. God is the only one who can take nothing and turn it into something. And the Bible records in Genesis chapter 2 the creation of humanity. And that shows me something very important today that I want to walk through with you from this passage. And so it's very simple. This is step number one in overcoming. So I hope that you'll write this down. Uh, today's principle, today's life lesson, if you will, is very simply this. Life is a gift. Life is a gift. Whether it feels like something to you or it feels like nothing to you, it is a gift and it is given to you by God. So therefore, since life is a gift, we need to learn to live it and give it. Life is a gift, so live it and give it. In the midst of your mountaintop moments, you're living it, right? But sometimes those are the moments where we won't give it. In the midst of your valleys, you don't feel like living it. But yet you feel like perhaps you're giving away everything. Life is a gift. And life is a gift that was intended to be lived it is a gift from God, and it is a gift that was intended for you and I to give, to give it away. You have only one life, only one. You only get one lifetime on this planet, only one. What I've seen in the months that have passed, and I know that will happen in the months that are ahead, is a lot of people have been challenged by culture, have been challenged by society, have been challenged by a, a psychological situation, have been challenged by physical situations, viruses, things like that. And what's happened is in the last season of life, a lot of people have missed the reality that life is a gift. And those seven months, you're never going to get back. You're not. So what are you going to do with it? 
Are you going to go back and say, well, I wish I could, or I, I would have done this different, or, or I wish I had known? You don't get to do that. You can only learn from it and then lean forward and move ahead. Life is a gift. And this morning, I, I take this passage, and I, I have four things that I think will help you and I and us together embrace the gift of life that only God could give, that only God can bring, that only God can redeem. And principle number one, when I learned that life is a gift and I must live it and I must give it and give it my best and give it my all and give it away to those that I care about. When I realized that there are some steps that I can glean from scripture today that help me overcome when I go through valleys, when I have mountains to climb, when I have challenges to face. And here's step number one to help you and I, application point number one. It's very simple. I'm going to challenge you with the life that you've been given. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're feeling, I'm going to challenge you today to help you overcome, to stop for a moment and breathe. Breathe. You realize that so many times we take for granted one of the most basic gifts of life, a very involuntary process that goes on for us each day. We get overwhelmed by things that we think we control or don't control. We get overwhelmed in our mind. We get consumed in our hearts and our emotions. Uh, our bodies may not function well and be challenged. Life may fall apart as we knew it or as we dreamed it or as we hoped for it. And in the midst of all of that, one of the greatest gifts for you is to stop everything and breathe. God made you a living being. The man was there, formed from what we walk on. I mean, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes uh, you can see sometimes in your home, uh, in my home, that even what the Bible talks about that we are made of, it kind of gets on your blinds. You ever have to dust your blinds, right? Your table ever get a little film on it and you kind of take your finger and you run across it and you go, ooh, somebody clean this up, right? Or, or maybe, um, maybe you get dirt on your shoes, right? When you're outside and, and you're playing around or you're, you're doing something and, and you get dusty. <laughs> now, I, I realized, I did a little research, I understand this, that yeah, I, all right, so we're made of carbon, right? And, and we're made of other things as people. We're made of all of these things. But do you realize that even in the human anatomy, there is this little slice of pie. Like when they break down how much we are made of, what are the things that you and I as people, our bodies, our physical bodies, what are we made of? And, the, and, and scientists can break all of it down. And then they have this category, this little slice of the pie for what you are, for what I am, for what we are. And they call that other. Well, that sounds like a real scientific answer for how I was made. You can describe this, this, and this, and then you got a category for what I'm made of, and you just want to call it other. That's really smart. 
Yeah, wonder what genius came up with that one, right? You see, there's this basic detail to our existence no one can explain. And that is, how in the world are you alive? You are made up of carbon, of calcium, of minerals, of elements, of things. And you're made up of dust. All of these things are particles. They are microscopic at their base level. That's what you are. But how did all of that come together in such a way that you legitimately, with me right now, can sit there and go, and breathe? The Bible says that the Lord God formed you from all of these most basic, base elements of the world. And he put it all together and it meant nothing. It meant nothing. It was all put together. It was all designed. It was all dreamed up. It was all in the hands of a creator. And then in one moment to change everything, what did God do? He breathed the breath of life into these particles. He breathed into it. And that person became a living being. And you today, whatever valley, whatever obstacle, whatever moment it is that you have walked through, that you are walking through, you walk through it because you are alive. The Lord God breathed his breath into your existence and you became a living being. So my friends, my family, my loved ones, listen. You have a life and that life is a gift and until it is over, live it. Whatever has come your way, whatever has been thrown at you, live it. In that valley, live it. And how can I live it when I don't like it, when I don't feel it, when it doesn't seem life is a gift? Stop what you are doing and breathe. Do you realize that the pandemic that we have heard about in the world, do you realize that the number one challenge it brings to people is what? That it affects their ability to do what? Breathe. It affects their lungs. It affects how they function. That is the issue that has been brought forth in our culture, in the news. That is what people are afraid of, the ability to breathe. Breathing is a gift. And listen, you don't have to be a professional athlete. You don't have to have the best lungs on the planet. But you are alive. You are alive because the breath of God exists in your soul. Here's a great thing about Scripture. Um, if you look at Scripture, um, there's this other word called pneuma, spirit. And there's this whole play on words, even in the Hebrew, this whole play on words that's talked about in Genesis, where what really happened is not only that God breathed, into the nostrils 
of this person and created all that we know today as people. It's not just that. It's that God breathed something powerful into him. He breathed spirit. He breathed other into this man and from him then into this woman and from them into their children and and from them into the rest of humanity people men and women today filled with the breath of God life is a gift and when you lose sight of it when you're walking through a valley I want to encourage you with a very simple step stop for a moment and breathe because the breath of God is in you the spirit of God makes you alive regardless of what you feel regardless of what you think regardless of the form or the shape that your body may be in currently it is the breath of God within you that gives you life and life is a gift to be lived and to give. And the way that I learned to do that in the midst of valley moments is to stop and breathe. Then I see some other things that are important from this passage. Not only do I need to learn when I'm walking through challenges, slow down a minute, breathe, but I also need to discover something beautiful. Discover something beautiful. When you're walking through a valley, when you have something challenging that you need to overcome, find one thing that is beautiful. Find one thing that is good. In the midst of your moments of stopping and breathing, discover something beautiful about your life. Now, so many times, and, and we've done this up until the most recent time as an American society, we run so fast, we chase so hard that we lose sight of what's important and why we do it. We lose sight of what really matters. But in this generation, we've had to all wind back the clock a little bit, slow down life a little bit, and look for what matters. And I want to tell you that if you want to overcome the difficult seasons of life, discover something beautiful about the gift of life that God has given to you and focus on that. Now that, that may sound all kind of cushy and, and oh man, like what, what does that mean? But the depiction of where God placed this living being is a beautiful depiction. I mean, we will run through the creation story of Scripture because we're, oh, well, I know that. Well, I've read that before. Well, I learned that as a child. Oh, yeah, there's scientific this and scientific that. Right, and, and if you're not careful, you're going to get lost in all of the busyness, all of the details, and you're going to miss the glory of the gift of life that God has given to you. You're going to miss the beauty that is around you. I mean, just take a pic, a picture with me. I mean, all of this is a beautiful picture. God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. These trees, listen, he tells us, they were pleasing to the eye. In other words, when you looked at them, they were beautiful. It was something to be appreciated. Maybe for you, 
in this season of life? It's flowers. Do you realize that where we live, there grow some of the most amazing, beautiful flowers that are basically weeds? That's basically what they are. But they're going to pop up in your yard. They're going to grow up in the bayou. They're going to be there in the marsh. But yet, if you slow down and breathe and you look and you discover something beautiful about the world that God made. Listen. The world that God made for you. For you. God made this for you. And you discover something beautiful about it. Then all of a sudden the valley that you're walking through. The darkness that you're feeling. It's going to fade. And you're going to take another step forward through it. Because you've discovered something beautiful about the gift of life. And it gives you something to hold on to. And it gives you something to look forward to. And it brings a little bit of brightness and light to your soul. Because God made it for you. Discover something beautiful. The trees, they were pleasing to the eye. They were good for food. Now, do I have to say anything about our local culture and its food? I mean, I, I understand, you know, we, we indulge a little too much sometimes and it causes us to grow a little bit, right? I understand that, but life is a gift. Life is a gift. And even in the Garden of Eden, there was this beauty. There was a sense of goodness. There was this taste that belonged to certain things that could be experienced and enjoyed. It was a part of the goodness of life. In the middle of that, there was the tree of what? Life. And God knew that life was a great gift. Now, there was this other tree we'll talk about in just a minute. I get that one because that's the one that most people focus on. And it's why things are messed up. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But here's the reality. Don't go there yet. Because all of this was created by God to give the man and the woman one thing. Life. 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 To give them the greatest gift of all. Life. And in the midst of this garden, he places this man. This river that comes through, it watered the garden. It gave life to everything that was beautiful and that was good. The Bible tells us, which is fascinating, that there were four other headwaters that came out of this river. Um, two of these other headwaters, interestingly enough, are on your maps. Fascinating. I mean, if you want to look at a global map and you want to identify whether or not this story is actually real, there are two major rivers in the Middle East that are designated, described, and existent even today that were recorded in the very first book of the Bible, which was written Way before you and I started looking at maps in our generation. Long before. There are two of them that are described. The other two, who knows? But one of those two, it tells us that it flowed through a land that had gold that was beautiful. It flowed through a land where there was this sapphire type of rock. This beautiful type of rock that the Bible describes. It describes an aroma. A pleasant, pleasing 
smell that was a part of this region that made people recognize that's that area. You see, in our lives, there are beautiful gifts. There are some things that are beautiful. So let me ask you a question. Can you describe and have you discovered in your life something that is beautiful? Is there something that makes you feel alive? Something that brings life to your spirit. Now, I realize the Bible describes certain things, right? And so there are certain things, maybe, maybe for you it is one of these descriptors. Maybe it is a flower. Maybe it is a card. Um, maybe it's a letter. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's your favorite sporting event when an athlete does something that is awesome. Maybe it's when someone does something kind to you. Maybe it's when you're working in your life toward a goal and you're accomplishing something. But discover something beautiful because life is a gift. And when you slow down and you breathe and you recognize, this is a gift that God has given me to live. And there are some good things. There are some good things about being alive. There are some friendships that are beautiful. There are some relationships that are beautiful. There are some gifts in this world that are beautiful. And instead of focusing on the valley... And the struggle, and the news, and the noise, I'm going to discover something beautiful about this life. And when you get your mind on that, when you begin to see in the gift that God has given you, the gift of life, something beautiful, you're going to move forward. And you're going to be able to walk through a valley realizing, life, it's a gift. It's a gift that I have to live, and that I have to give. The third thing that stands out from this passage, if you want to be able to maximize your life, the gift that you've been given, um, you want to learn to give it and give it well, to give it away, to give it to others, to give it your best, to give it your all, then you want to learn what God gave to this first living soul also applies to you. And that is that you and I in life, when we want to overcome difficulties, when we want to walk through the valley and come out successful on the other side, in the midst of whatever it is that God has given you, learn to grow your garden. Learn to grow your garden. Now, I realize that for many of you, you may not have come from a family like mine where I can remember, and I've shared this with my kids, going to my mama in Alabama, her place, and, and her garden with my papa was acres. It wasn't a couple of tomato plants. It wasn't a row of corn. It was acres in Alabama. I remember that up on top of a hill. I remember that. And I remember that when we would go to visit grandparents, you didn't play the switch or the computer. For those of you who have kids, the switch is a game that they're all getting lost in, right? And you didn't get on the computer, the Xbox. You know what you did when you went to see mama and papa? You picked beans and corn all day long until it was time to go fishing. And that's just what you did as a child. It was a garden. And there was something about their life because my grandparents on my father's side, they were not wealthy people, but there was something about them where they knew what they had been given 
they would use to provide for themselves and for others. What they had been given, they would use to provide for themselves and others. They grew their garden. Now you have a garden. And the Bible talks about a garden. And what did the Bible say about the living soul? God took Adam and he put him in a garden. And he put him in a garden. And the Bible is very clear about this. He put him in the garden to do something. God put him in the garden to work it. Work it. And the reality is, in life, even when you're walking through a valley, you have a garden. Work your garden. Grow your garden. How do you grow your garden? Well, the reality is, anything that you feed is going to grow. Anything that you fertilize is going to grow. You can be given the best soil, or you can be given less than ideal conditions and dirt to grow something in. But if you work it, it's going to grow something. Whatever you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. Whatever you put into your life is what you're going to get out of your life. It's a gift, but it's a garden. And for you to receive from this, even this text as we understand, one of the most beautiful gifts, the gift of life. And Adam is placed in a garden to work that garden. What made that garden amazing was not the garden, but the soul in the garden. What made that garden grow was not just that the garden was there. There's no garden if there's not someone to appreciate it. There's no garden if there's not someone to cultivate it. There's no garden if there's not someone to feed it and work it and harvest it and bring it home. It means nothing without the heart and the soul and the mind and the strength being given to that garden. Grow your garden. What's your garden today look like? What would you call your garden? Now again, I'm not talking about a plant or a tree or anything. I'm talking about your life. What's the garden of your life look like right now? Is the soil rocky and less than ideal? Is it challenging? Great. Work the soil. Work it. Grow your garden. Move a few rocks. Put a little fertilizer, a little effort into it. Get off of the things that are stealing your life and place your energy and your effort into the things that will give you life. It's the things that give life, that fulfill your life, that will cause your garden and the garden of your life to flourish. And all of the elements are there, by the way. The water's there. The smell, the aroma's there. The trees are there. Everything necessary for success was there. It was already there. It was in front of Adam. But it was his job to work. It was his job to cultivate it. It was his job to grow it. And for you and I, in the moments of valley, in the moments of question, in the moments of uncertainty, in the moments of even perhaps apathy, to be able to walk through that valley is to be able to say, okay, God, Life is a gift. I'm going to slow down and I'm going to breathe. There are some beautiful things that you have placed before me. I see them. I'm going to discover them. And in the garden of my life, 
I'm going to grow it. I'm going to grow it. You gave it to me. He gave it to you. He's given it to us. So therefore, I have a responsibility in the midst of this great valley moment to grow the garden that I'm given. And that's how you continue to overcome. Adam was there. He's in the moment of this. And he grows the garden. Now, um, here's the reality of growing your garden. There are sometimes things in our lives that will hinder the growth of your garden. And that's where that other tree comes in, right? In the Bible, let's not ignore it too long. Uh, There is this knowledge of good and evil that happens. There's this reality that in our world, there are things that build and there are things that tear down. And so even God helping us grow our garden gives instruction to us, even to Adam, even in the midst of the gift of life, hey, this thing, will build your life, and this thing will tear down your life. Stay away from the things that will break you down. That's what God says, even in the midst of our garden, even in the midst of our life, even in the midst of who we are. There are some things that will build us up, and there are some things that will tear us down. Wherever you are in the midst of your garden, wherever you are in the midst of your life, whatever valley it is that you may be walking through, Even if there are challenging moments where something has torn you down, listen, it's still a gift. Stop and breathe. Get off of the moments that have discouraged you, defeated you, destroyed you. And look to the moments, the beautiful things that give you life and then begin to grow those. Begin to grow those. Don't feed the negative tree. Don't fertilize the one that brings death. Get off of that and begin to grow the things that are good in your life. Begin to feed the trees that bring forth good fruit, that bring forth good and pleasing things for you. Feed those and your garden, the garden of your life, it will prosper. And that brings me to the fourth and final step. When I look at how to overcome, realizing that the number one driving force of today is this reality that we must grasp that life, the gift of life, is a gift. And therefore, to overcome, we learn to breathe even in the midst of difficulty. We learn to appreciate the Spirit of God that has given us this gift of life. Uh, We discover the beautiful things in our life, things that are good and pleasing. We grow them. But the fourth one is very important for you to overcome in the midst. And boy, this one is so appropriate for our generation today, but it was appropriate from the beginning of time. If you really want to live, you want to live life to the fullest, and you want to give life your best, and you want to give it away to what matters and who matters, then the fourth and final thing is that you and I must learn in the midst of whatever season of life we are walking through, you must embrace relationships. You must embrace relationships. Now I get it. Hey, let's be honest about the generation that we live in right now. Um, We are supposed to be isolated. We're supposed to be separated. We're supposed to be distant. We're, We're supposed to be careful. We're supposed to wear things that protect. We're supposed to do things that keep us away. 
But can I just tell you something? Even from the beginning of time, the isolation of relationships never worked. And I can tell you why the world is mostly broken right now. is because there is a force, and it's not political. Don't be so naive as a follower of Jesus to think it's politics. There is a force of divisiveness that was at work even in the beginning of Scripture to cause you and I to reject relationships with people and ultimately with the one who matters most, with God. If you want to overcome and walk through the valleys and embrace the fullness of life, it means you must embrace relationships. You have to embrace your relationship with your maker, your creator, the one who gives life, and with those around you that he's made to do life with you. Embrace relationships. Because when you embrace relationships, here's what you do. You beat off the number one killer of your soul, of your spirit, and of the gift of life. Are you ready for this one? Because this is the one that is destroying most people mentally, emotionally, and physically. This is not a virus. This is not an agenda. This is a reality that everybody has to face. And Adam had to face it. And God knew the problem. You ready? Do you know what the problem is? Loneliness. Loneliness. And it's fascinating to me that Adam is placed in the most beautiful garden of gardens. In a perfect world where there was no sin. In a place where he was given this opportunity to grow his garden. He had all that he needed to succeed in life. Every gifting, every ability, every opportunity. It was all laid out right there before him. He had everything. He had been given this gift to breathe. He had the spirit of God in him. And yet in the midst of this beautiful, wonderful moment, he was alone. And loneliness is the killer of life. Loneliness is the killer of your spirit, of your soul, of your emotions. It will take you to places you don't want to go and you definitely don't want to stay. And so how do you beat that? When you walk through a valley that feels like you are alone, isolated, separated, distanced, embrace the relationships that matter the most in your life. The first one is obvious. Embrace your relationship with God. This is a passage that I actually use at most of the wedding ceremonies that I do as a minister. And I use this passage for this reason. Do you notice that in Scripture... That all of these things are perfect. And I want you to see something. All of these things are perfect in scripture. And Adam even had a relationship with God. But that relationship with God that was spiritual. Had to be expressed physically. And God could have left Adam alone in the garden. With all of the trees, with all of the gold, with all of the rivers, with all of the animals, with all of the beauty of everything. And it was perfect. But God said, it's just not good for this person. It's not good for people 
to be alone. It's just not good. Even God acknowledged that. And so what did he do? From that living soul that he created, he brought to him another living soul. And and, and yeah, I get it. Scientifically, explain it. Go ahead, try. And this is why some people would say, yeah, I just don't believe the scripture. Okay, good for you. You're alone. (laughs) Because you may have all of the relationships of people, but you don't understand the one who created the gift of relationship. It begins here. And we live it. But it's expressed here. And we give it. And giving your life in embracing the relationships around you. Whatever that looks like. Hey, I, I, I wasn't just born yesterday. This is a reality. Some of your relationships are fragmented and broken. But you still have others that are valuable to you. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps it, it, it's your spouse, right? Or maybe you've gone through a valley. And, and you're walking through a valley. But it's your kids, right? But, but maybe it's your parents. Or, or maybe it's a friend. Or maybe it's someone in your small group. Or there's somebody out there that you know cares about you, that loves you more than you could understand, that is for you in the greatest way, embrace those relationships. Embrace the relationships that matter because when you're walking through seasons of life, a valley, and you're not going to get a choice in this. This is a part of life as well, but you want to succeed. You want to overcome when it's difficult. Stop. Breathe. Discover something beautiful about your life that God has done for you. Recognize it's your garden. And grow your garden. In the midst of growing your garden, in the midst of doing your work, in the midst of you overcoming, embrace the relationships in your life that matter. Obviously, it begins here. So embrace your relationship with the Father because He's going to get you through. But embrace the people around you that love you as well. Embrace them. Embrace the ones that you love. Don't separate. Don't isolate. Don't distance. Embrace. When you go all in that way in your life, because it's a gift, you are going to overcome. Amen? So, Father, I thank you today for men and women into whom you have breathed your spirit, into whom you have given this greatest gift, the gift of life. We are but particles, but yet we have become living beings. And as living beings, we embrace the gift of life. We want to live it in the freedom of who you are, giving it our best, And even in the midst of our generation, teach us to value the opportunity to breathe. Help us to see that there are things in our life that are beautiful. Give us the opportunity to grow the garden that you've placed us in and to embrace our relationship with you and those around us. God, with this as my prayer for your children today, would you help us all to overcome? In Jesus' name, amen. It's good, isn't it?
Very simple, but life-changing. Very powerful. So even as you go from this place today, I want to encourage you, live, breathe, embrace, grow, discover, live it, give it, because it's life. And that's what God has determined, and he is the author of when it comes to a conclusion, so let him take care of all of that. But you just walk, my friend. You just walk in this garden, and you breathe in this garden. You embrace the people around you. And you're going to get through that valley and back to your mountain soon enough. Thank you for being with us today. For our online family, thank you for joining us. The beautiful thing about our online opportunities these days is you can go back, you can rewind, and you can hear it again. And I know that if you do that with this series of messages, it's going to change your life. And it's going to move you forward as an overcomer. So continue to do that. Thank you for being faithful in your giving during this generation. For those of you online, you're able to see how to do that by going to our website. You can use your phones. For those of you in the room, likewise, don't miss the moment to do that. God has expanded our family through this. Not only are we here in this room today, but we grow continually through people just like our online family. So thank you for being faithful in your giving in this generation. And one of the things that we always do, that we like to do, and that we do well, one of the things that we focus on are the children, one of the other great gifts of life, one of the other relationships to be embraced. So online family, you'll be able to take your children now and see Jumpstart. And for those of you in the room, you'll be able to take your kids and you'll be able to see them when you get home. But until I see you again next week, life is a gift. Live it, give it, slow down and breathe, find something beautiful, grow your garden, and don't isolate, separate, or distance. Embrace the people around you that love you, and watch what God will do in Jesus' name. God bless you all.